Internets, I want to put you on to Stereo. It's an app for live social conversations, and I want to talk directly with you, our listeners. You could join our show, ask questions about the latest episodes, and share your experiences and opinions. I want to hear everything from you guys. So download Stereo now. It's available on the Apple Store and Google Play. It's called Stereo. You understand? How do you do it? It's simple. You just download the Stereo app and then follow the show at Stereo.com forward slash premium Pete Show. Again, Stereo.com forward slash premium Pete Show. Go to that. It'll bring you right to the app. You download it. Listen to me. I love Stereo and I know you will too. Let's get the convo going. Built to Last is a podcast by American Express that highlights the stories, history, and continued legacy of Black-owned small businesses that shape American culture. Through these important conversations, host Elaine Welterau explains how the Black business leaders of our past have inspired today's Black-owned small businesses. Check out the debut season of Built to Last on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Before we get started with this week's episode, I want to give a big shout out to you and your families all across the world. Internets, let me tell you something, okay? I hope we have an amazing 2021 summer. It has been such a crazy time. You think about it, people have been in the house for a year, okay? Some people that used to travel like myself hasn't traveled in a year, okay? Even check on your friends, check on your loved ones. You never know, you know, mentally, it's been discouraging and we should be uplifting our our fellow brothers and sisters, okay? Internet, let me tell you something. I'm so ex- I've been screaming this guy's praises how much he's an underrated actor. Armand Desante, 5 decades in the business, over 150 films. One of my favorite films where he embodied, crushed it, which is extremely underrated. It's only on YouTube now. It's, it was never in theaters, which is a Gotti HBO movie. Let me tell you. Premium Pete Show, you never know who's going to be on. Actor, athlete, artist, great story. Listen, if you've been messing with me since the days of the Combat Jack show, rest in peace to my brother forever. We will never forget you, okay? We'll never forget about Combat Jack. But if you're new to the show, Premium Pete Show, welcome, okay? Let me tell you, you never know. So that's why I want you to dig in the catalog. Go to iTunes, go to SoundCloud, go to Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also available on YouTube, Okay, there's some behind the scene clips, some full subscribe rate and tell a friend, but also not only tell a friend and tell a friend, but recommend to a friend. The premium Pete show ain't about only me. It's about the people. So if you know somebody wants to be a producer or or would be inspired by a certain episode, send it to them. Okay, send it to them and and, and say, listen, check this and thank me later. Now, listen, um, open up your Twitter app, open up your Instagram app at premium Pete and at premium Petro and check the fucking, I love to know where y'all listening from always on. Listen, somebody emailed us the other day from, uh, Melbourne, another person from, uh, UK. Listen, people all over Poland, India, you never know where people are listening to the premium Petro. I want to salute y'all. And of course in the States, we always in the States, but when we get outside the States, that humbles a kid from Brooklyn. Man, I don't know if anybody hears these birds in the background. This is the new world studio. But somebody said, get, get birds for your son. He'll like it. Hey, birds, I'm busy over here. Hey, you listen, you know, I got to give him a little crack every once in a while. But internets, Armand DeSante. I really never heard a Journey episode with this guy. I, I really never heard it. So I'm so excited that you get a chance to listen to it. I'm not going to say nothing. Just make sure you rate, subscribe, 
Follow Premium Pete, Premium Pete Show on all platforms, okay? And tell a friend to tell a friend about this episode and about the Premium Pete Show, okay? And more importantly, thank you. Thank you. Worldwide, we have sold Pete's Premium Pasta Sauce, a 100-year-old family recipe, okay? It's all natural, gluten, GMO-free, vegan. Listen to me, okay? It's a marinara sauce. It's our first product. We got another product coming up soon. Could be that spicy marinara or maybe that vodka sauce. Internets. Okay, PeachPremiumPastaSauce.com. Go check it out if you haven't. And if you did support, thank you so much. Really means a lot to me. My grandmother's recipe that was passed on, and now I'm passing it on to y'all. Internet, I don't got to say no more. I present to you this week's episode of the Premium Peach Show with the legendary Armand Asante. Let's get to it. Cheer. Yo, what's up, y'all? This is Fat Man Scoop, the other smoother voice of the club, the two-time Grammy Award winner. Let me make this official for you. Fat Man Scoop, Quark McClan, Internet. It's time to go with my dude, Premium Pete. Let's get focused. Let's go. Internet. Let's turn up one time. Premium Pete. Come on, everybody get set. Let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up. It's the Premium Pete Show. If you want the scoop in the low, down low, listen to the show cause milk said so fuck what you heard better act like you know it's the premium pete show internet welcome back to another episode of the premium pete show sitting down with the legendary okay <laughs> actor um good fella um <laughs> really really just a creative artist um you know when you think about acting people think about just film and being in a film or a movie or a doc series but i'm talking about somebody who um is an actor as an art, um, the one and only uh, Armand Asante. Thank you. That's uh, that's quite a statement. I mean, listen. No, I, I first hope I can off, live up to that one day. <laughs> first off, and we spoke about this. First off, um, I've been telling people on social media for about as long as the movie has been out, and I mean, you've been in so many movies. But when we talk about Gotti. That this guy, first of all, Emmy Award uh, nominated, right? Wasn't it, yeah. right? Um, should have been, to me, I mean, HBO put it out. To me, the best, no disrespect to Gervolta and them, but to me, the best Gotti movie that was ever made. I honestly don't think there needs to be another Gotti that was made. Um, reason why is because you embody your parts when you play in them. Like, I, I don't know if you look at these script and fucking like, um, just like look in the mirror, but you, you understand what I'm saying? Like actors are actors, but I feel like you take the time to like become them. Does that make sense? Well, I think the principal obligation of an actor is exactly that. I use that word a lot. I've actually talked to students about it. That to me, the principal obligation of the actor is to embody what you do. It's almost impossible in this industry to do that all the time. Number one, you have to have a phenomenal script because the script leads you to the places emotionally where you have to go. But it's very rare when you get that level of writing that sure. was in that particular. Stephen Shagan That's the wrote that film. Yeah, wow. and, um, phenomenal writer. Yeah. Phenomenal and even uh, the guy who played uh, Neil Delacroach, uh, what's his name? Um, Anthony Quinn. Anthony Quinn. Yeah. Incredible actor. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And when you think He was about one of the most, I think of the Hollywood greats, probably the most underrated of all the actors. Because if you watch some of the more esoteric films he did where yep. he did not have the yep. roles yep. that he did later in life, which by the way, I, I knew him. Uh, he's the one that, that actually, 
He created Zorba the Greek for himself. Wow. From Kazantzakis' book. Wow. Went to a Greek producer, raised his own financing. Because I had asked him a question. I said, what was the hardest part of your life? And he said, between the ages of 50 and 70, I couldn't get the work that I wanted. And at the age of 50, he created the idea of doing Zorba mm -hmm. the Greek. So it came from him. Wow. You know? So, and it's an amazing career. But one of the true actors that, I think never got the uh, credit, the credit, the roses that he deserved for, yeah, the, for the immensity yeah. of his talent. The great, the great Anthony Quinn. I mean, I mean, one one part. I mean, there's so many, you yeah. know, um, roles he played. But you know, got when Gotti being one of my favorite movies. Top. Okay, I'm putting it down. Top five mob movie of all time. Okay, if you don't like it, debate somebody else. Don't debate me. Okay, <laughs> but I will say Anthony Quinn when he was standing next to you in Gotti and was like, John. If I came here, if Carlo Gambino would have said, you go, then you would have go. I would have came here with these two zips, the fucking Italian guys in the back, and you would go. The way he- He said that very well, word for word. Yeah. And he said, John, you're, you're, sweating, you're sweating up a hundred dollar, what do you say, a hundred dollar uh, sweater? You know, you know, we're going to go, we're going to bounce around, but being that we're talking about Gotti, how'd you even get that role? Like, did, did, was there anybody else considered for that role? Oh, yeah, there were a lot of people. Do you know of uh, certain people? No, but I, I, a funny story. Uh, uh, I was once in Little Italy in a, a little restaurant called Taramina. <laughs> the first one, the original Taramina. Yep, yep. And I looked up, and there was my picture on the wall that somebody had gotten. My, and I was a pretty young actor. I was in my 30s. This is long before I did Gavi. It was like 15 years before yep. I did it. And... Um, so I happened to ask the guy, I said, who got my photo? How does it get on the wall? He said, no, we hear about you. He says, uh, somebody wants you to play him. But he didn't tell me who. And that was evidently one of his hangouts. Mm. So that what, was a strange that's, that's, phenomenon. That, that is phenomenal. Even, even, I, was, I, was, I was like, I was ordained. <laughs> I was ordained at that moment. <laughs> what, about, what about the wardrobe? Like, how did that work yeah. out? We had like amazing, you had a crazy uh, fucking amazing, uh, jackets and sweaters. We and had a designer, Italian designer from Toronto that literally, I mean, literally recreated all these Brioni products that were sensational. Mm, fantastic mm. stuff. You know, let's take people back. Armand DeSanti grew up in um, New York City, right? Upper, originally. Upper West Side? I was originally from the Upper West Side, Washington yep. Heights. Yep. And the, exactly where the George Washington Bridge ends yep. in Manhattan. And you grew up with mom and dad? Yeah, they took me to, um, when I was eight, I went to uh, Cornwall, New York, mm -hmm. and I spent my high school, used, uh, high school there. I went back to the Heights when I was 16. In 17, I put myself to the American Academy of Dramatic Art. Then I was in the theater for 10 years. I heard about that. You know, I heard that, uh, and, and, and take me down, tell me about this, because I heard that around 1975, I think you were doing a lot of acting, I'm sorry, doing a lot of plays and uh not making really any money like i yeah. i remember correct me if i'm wrong i remember even hearing saying that like you were like broke like and i remember being broke at times yeah. how did you not get discouraged when you're, you're you're doing plays but you're not making much money to know like to not give up because if you were to give up this would not be the armand de santi that we see today and obviously you have showed your talent but how did you not get discouraged you know, I, I often talk to young actors about about um I mean, for me, I don't think there was any other choice 
other than, other than to be an actor. But I think one of the most difficult things uh, to rectify, uh, if you decide to be an actor, acting is a way of life. Mm. I, I don't even call it a profession. Mm. It's, it's literally your philosophy about life. Mm. And by that I mean that you should not be intimidated if in fact you do go through tremendous hardship because that hardship is there for what you chose to be. And to be an actor is a, in a way, a, um, it's your way of life. So you can't, you can't look at, you know, I was broke here, I was rich here, I, I went through difficult times. That's just life. Life gets in the way of all of our lives. Mm especially now, God knows, in this crisis. I mean, what we've seen, the amount of tragedy in the world, the amount of physical pain uh, right now in the world is, is gargantuan, you know. So I always say, you know, to young, young people especially, you'll know if you want to be an actor when your will is connected to your talent. Mm. It's like a baseball player. If, it's, if he does not will the fact that he's going to hit that ball over the fence. Out the fucking park. Because he was intended mm. to hit the ball over the fence. It won't happen. And I think your will has to be connected to your talent. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, that's kind of an egomaniacal, you know, way to say it. But I mean it in the most humble sense because it's the way you survive. And I think that if you're not connected to your will, I think your will is actually part of your talent. Mm. I agree. It's part of your talent. I agree. Look at your life. Yeah, yeah. Look at your life. Yeah. You're a survivor. Yeah. And and, and it, there's also a big power in never giving up, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, ne you know, um, you know, it, that's powerful for young actors to hear. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that you touched on that. What did mom do? My mother was a very accomplished woman, considering actually when I was born, uh, the night after I was born, my mother was paralyzed from the neck down mm. for one, Sorry, one year and... Uh, she had polio. Was, I, was, I was born in 49 at the height of the yep. polio crisis. And uh, it took her about six years to walk with braces and crutches. And then she spent the rest of her life in a wheelchair. But she was one of the first uh, completely handicapped people to actually teach wow. in, uh, in New York State. My mother was a graduate of Columbia. She was a graduate of Manhattan School of Music. An incredibly accomplished pianist and poet wow. as well. So, and my father was a very uh, talented artist himself. So I, I, I grew up in a world, in a sense, because a lot of actors asked me, I, I had permission. Mm. I had permission. And I think it's very important if you have a gifted child, not that I'm saying I was a gifted child, everything I did, I earned. Yeah. But I'm saying it was, it, was, it was all Greek to me. But my point is that if you have a talented child, you have to give them permission. You have to give them the freedom to find who they are. Mm. So important. Mm. That is so, so powerful. That, listen, internets, that is a gem right there. Okay, so That's you take it. that home, you put it in your pocket, <laughs> and you make sure you use it again when you need it. You know, you speak about your mom. I mean, um, what a soldier. Um, what somebody who dealt with uh, tragedies and still powered through. So, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, it was a tremendous effect yeah. on my life because I, I, uh, I grew up literally going to rehabilitation centers with her to see her build her body back up. And the thing is that um, I think what you learn for that is you have a respect for human suffering because what I witnessed in those hospitals as a boy uh, changed my life irrevocably. It changed my attitude towards people, towards women, towards whatever human being is uh, vulnerable to, which is that, you know, as strong and, and 
you know, uh, unconquerable as we think we are, we're so frail. Mm. Mm. This is such a frail Absolutely. trip. Absolutely. And it's a quick trip. Yeah. It's a very quick trip. You know, trip. we're really just walking each other home. People don't yeah. realize that, yeah. you know? They want to argue. They want to complain. They want to hold on to things. They want to have anxiety. Listen, right. I see families. Listen, I come from a family. Three, four hundred fucking people were at weddings. Now I'm lucky if we have 12. People don't talk to each other no more. Who don't do this right, no right, more? Right. Listen, internet's at the end of the day, we are just walking each other home. It's a short life. Yeah. You know, value exactly. it. You exactly. know, and I definitely want to say energy never um, dies. So, I, um, you know, hearing that story about your mom, that's powerful. Um, that's mm -hmm. inspiring. And I definitely want to uh, you know, me. acknowledge that, you know, especially how much we love our moms, you know. Now, your mom's was Italian. Your father was Irish? No, my mother was Irish. My father was Italian. Yeah. How, how, We're how, from the port of the port Oh, of nice, nice, nice. Now, yeah. how, now, did you Sundays like? What was your time? I've tried to live in Italy four times. Okay, when you, when you say tried, I, I just can't make a living there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I heard Italian as a boy all my childhood. But the problem is that my grandparents literally did not want us to speak Italian mm. because Italians were discriminated against mm. as much as any ethnic group yep. in the United States was. You, was it? Was it? Was it like? They thought everybody was in the mob discrimination type style? No, what no, was it? no, no, no. Is that Italians were genuine foreigners. Yeah. Just as the Irish before them. Yep. Um, the Italians. You know what I, I like? I mean, I, I'm in New York every day. It's the greatest place on earth because it is the earth. Mm. New York is the earth. Mm. It's the world. The Mecca. It really is the Mecca of the world. You know? And what I've done, if you took one grocery store in the corner, Watch the generational change. That grocery store has been there, say, for 100 years, all right? Well, in the 1890s and 1910s, it was the Irish. Mm. Then from the 1910s to the 1930s, it was the Italians. From there, it became uh, the Koreans. From there, it became the Chinese. Yep, yep. From there, Russian. it became the, now it's the Pakistanis. Yep, and yep. and, and every generation brings a new element. But you know why? Because those people are willing to work 24 hours mm. a day. Mm. Nonstop. That's the difference. Yeah. They're willing to work 24 hours. Like you're right. You're right. I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about. And that's about. called work ethic. And yeah. that's, what, that's what New York is based on, your work ethic. You know, and nothing against, you know, there's a lot of beautiful places in the world. But when we talk about where we came from, me and Armando Santi, we talk about New York. Okay. And, and, and there's something it gives you that feels like you could go out there and make it. I mean, sometimes when, you know, I, you know during my, the problem is when I was young, I would listen to like all the guys in the neighborhood. They never been off the block. When I was able to travel because of my professions, then I started to realize how confident I was, how I moved. I remember I walked into a place in Florida and the guy goes, are you from New York? And I said, why? He goes, the way you walked in here, you're like, you own the joints. And I don't mean nothing by it, Yeah. but that's how we carry ourselves. It's very interesting that you said that because I have a vivid, vivid memory of when I was uh, about 40, 42 years old. I was standing on the corner of 72nd and Broadway and this truck pulled up. This guy looked at me and he said, do you recognize his face? I looked at him. I had not seen this guy since I was seven. Mm. I was 42 years old. I said, you're Joey. He started to cry. And I said, you know, he says, I've seen you in television, the movies. I can't believe what happened to you. He said, and I said, well, how about you? What, what have you been doing? He says, you know, tell you the truth. I just got off 28 years of heroin. Holy shit. I never left the block. And to me, that is the, that's that's life. You know what I mean? His circumstances didn't allow him to grow. Yeah, to, to go spread further. his wings. And it was the most honest 
brutal, brutal. But but it was so honest and so so in a way naked that he just said it like that. And it's it's the story of life. You know? That's powerful, man. You know. Uh, oh, I didn't even realize. First of all, shouts to my brother Sabino. Yeah, I've been promising uh, espresso all day we, now. We got, He's the only one that came through. He's a fellow Paisan. Salud, my brother. Grazie mille. So, and, and you know what's yeah. interesting about that is that the, the 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 reality is that in life we are very much conditional. Yeah. You know, and people ask me, where did you get the idea for that character? Well, I, I went to the DEA and I listened to the tapes of this guy's life. And he said at one point to his daughter, you know, I was at a crossroads. I could have went right and I went left. And his life changed because he went left. Mm. He ruined his life. He ruined his daughter's life. You know what I mean? But that's life. It's those split second decisions you make out of pure intuition. You know, 70, about 1975, I was mentioning this uh, when we just started this episode, you mentioned very hard times in your life. I'm talking about being broke. And that really, it helps create a man. It puts fire in his eyes. Later on, you have had a successful career. You have uh, many different TV shows and movies you've been in. Did you ever look back when you started to like make money and, and, and become successful on, the, that, on that 74, 75 when you were kind of like, I guess, say, biting the bullet? You know, it's very interesting you ask that. But, but no, I, I never did. I remember when I was a boy, I was a, a pro professional drummer. And somebody asked me once, what are you going to do when you become successful? And I thought, that's a very strange. I, I already feel I am successful because I'm playing the drums. But the, <laughs> the point is that it's interesting. In 74, I, I was literally living on banana, bananas and onions and coffee, for real. Because they're the cheapest things you can live on. But I was asked by a legendary actor to go to Africa. Oh, that's right. That's right. And it was Ossie Davis. Wow. Who was the husband of yeah, Ruby Dee. Yeah, yeah. So I was in, within three weeks, I was in Nigeria after the Biafran War. Couldn't really do anything to get the film going. It was almost chaos. Still, um, I mean, tragic beyond one's imagination. But imagine this. Asi Davis, Ruby D, Al Freeman Jr., mm. and a host of some of the greatest black actors in America were, were trying to make this film. And they wanted me to play a mercenary. And the point is that years later, and I'm talking years later, I met Ruby D on the set of American Gangster. And I said, you know, I always thanked your husband, Ossie, but I never got to thank you for That's taking me beautiful. to Africa. You know, they took me to Africa. You know, and there she is in a playing Denzel's mother yeah, but in, in American Gangster. In a time. You know, and it's just, so you say, you know, was I broke? I was blessed. You, yeah, you, you were rich. <laughs> you were rich. See, that, see, that's the fucking problem that I even still deal with today, where we measure money on success. <laughs> Yo, I've fucking been to Japan on my voice. <laughs> you understand? Yeah, like, I'm a kid from Brooklyn. Yeah. Like, you're from the Upper West Side of New York City, two New York guys. Yeah. <laughs> look at your career. I mean, look, I'm not just sitting here. Anybody who knows... I've, I've sat down with many, many people, okay? I don't kiss ass. I, I tell it how it is. And you are an incredible actor. Thank you very much. And, 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 but anyway. Um, so funny. You, you know, um, some, first of all, one thing I really love is how many gems you dropped already. You know, for young, because that's what I do. It's not about premium Pete show. It's about people listening to this. 
right. and getting something out of it. Right. You know, uh, do you have any kids? Oh, I have two beautiful daughters. You know, uh, yeah, I have a daughter. Uh, she's going to be 21. Literally changed my life. Made me look at my life through a different lens. Yeah. Um, put fire in my heart. Um, Absolutely. Talk about that. What has it been like being a father, you know? I was so lucky uh, in a way because I was able, I was very stable financially, psychologically, and emotionally when I had my daughters and I was able to take them all over the world with mm, me. So they traveled everywhere with me. I had them in a superb private school. Um, when I wasn't around, they were very well looked after. And I, I think, I mean, I think as a parent, I think the most principal thing you can do for your child is to give them the best, most phenomenal education you possibly can. It is so, it is so important. And that you, um, you nurture their minds constantly. And I, I, it's very interesting. My, my older daughter had a baby uh, a year and a half ago. Mm. So I now Congratulations, have an 18-month-old-year-old 18, 18 grandson. And it's very interesting. I watch him all the time, all the time. And one of the most interesting pieces of behavior I watch is he goes up to the window. And he looks out the window all day long. And he's able now to identify the fire trucks and the police trucks and the ambulance and all these things. And I think this is, this is the crisis of the COVID life because at 18 months, a, no a normal child is, out and about. is already integrated yeah. with into, people. Into, into but he's society. had to be completely quarantined from everyone. And God bless my, my daughter and her husband for doing that because it's the truth. You have to protect their physical health. Absolutely. So, but to, to watch him be at that window, it just—it's—it's it's a very beautiful thing that his curiosity is so powerful. But it also saddens me in a way that he's like, "When can I get out there?" Yeah, yeah, kind of like, "Let me out." Yeah, very, very powerful. You know, as an older man, and what I mean by that is your father, and I speak about my father. I'm—I'm I'm, I'm younger than you, but I'm still, you know, older. Um, our fathers. Like their fathers weren't really guys who hugged them or kissed them or, right. you know, um, like my father's a great guy. I love him. But yeah. he just wasn't somebody who told me he loved me all the time. Right. Yeah. But he did love me. He's, he did it in different ways. Yeah. Now, with me and my daughter, I tell her every day, I love you. I love you. I text her. I love sure, you. Yeah. I, I show her her love. How was your relationship with your father versus how you treat your kids? You know what I mean? Did you kind of change that around some things or or he was just good with you, Pops? In, 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 in some ways, but my father was, um, my father led my life by example. He was a tremendous uh, worker, very committed artist, but he was a phenomenal worker. And I, I got my work ethic from my father and my grandfather. They just were I mean, they would work 18 hours a day mm. without stopping. Pure, pure hustles. And, and, and I think uh, the greatest examples uh, that I learned from my father was his um, ability to commit. And by being committed, you never backed off. You know, that was a great, great life lesson for me. You know, we spoke about, um, you know, there's so, so many movies you've been in. I mean, wh why don't you name off some that are, I don't want to say your favorite, but what what did you... What are some people always say Gotti, Gotti, and I get it, and I love fucking Gotti, and you you crushed it, and I want to go back there in a second. I'll come back to Gotti, but what are some of your favorite roles that you played? You know, I had I had some very interesting roles. I wouldn't say they're my favorite, but I will tell you is this: the creative process, which I often tell young people, the creative process has been completely eroded 
from the industry. By that I mean is the prep time, the time that you can gestate, the time that you can absorb, the time that you can, through osmosis, embody your work and really create an interesting, complex character. That's been eliminated, sadly. I mean, there are acting techniques now that bring kids up to amazing levels of expression. But my point is, um, when I look at uh, at my work, all of it, many of those films were not prepped films. And that, that bothers me, that disturbs me, because I see where there's so much more that could have been on screen. But they weren't prepped. And I will say, my favorite films, not necessarily that there was prepped so well, but the thought behind them, the care, the nurturing, the people behind the camera, the caring about the story. What was the significance of that story? Why is it necessary to tell the story? Mm. The, the, the passion, if you mm. will, about why films are made. That usually comes from a director. And I would say that probably 10, 10 of the projects that I really love to watch that I've done are also products of great directors, such as Sidney Lumet, mm. Andrei Kontrolovsky, Robert Harmon, I mean, Buzz Kulik, uh, Ralph Peterson, F- F- Fritz. Uh, I mean, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a bunch of people that were amazing. Also uh, played uh, alongside Goldie Hawn. Um, yeah. And we speak about how- Howard Zeef. Yep, yep, Howard yep. Zeef was one of my tremendous influence on my life. In, Edgar Sherrick, another yeah. one, tremendous. You know, you also spoke about what it was like working alongside women and 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 kind of like meshing well when you think about like somebody like Goldie Hawn. Yeah, that you was know? a that was just a blessing. Uh, we had amazing chemistry together. She's such a ball of fun to mm. work with, and I mean, at that point in her life and career, she was completely immersed in that role, and it was a very, very powerful feminist film that was told with tremendous comedy and uh, joie de vivre. I mean, and she, she did it fantastically. And uh, if, you, if you just, the, write, the writers alone, you had Nancy Myers, mm. uh, Charlie Myers, um, Chuck Shire rather, um, Harvey Miller, you had Howard Zeef, Albert Brooks, Eileen Brennan. <laughs> I mean, that's an all-star I mean, list. You know, there's so many gifted, oh my God, uh, my, one of my favorite actors of all time, uh, Harry Dean Stanton. Yep. I mean, so many gifted people were part of that. Pro- and that's what I mean. When you get in a project where the thought has been put into the project from every point of view, you know, and the script has been attended to. I remember going to the premiere of that in Westwood, California. And on that night, they did re-edits of the film. Because they watched the audience very carefully. Oh, how, the, how they said, reacted. They didn't get that. They didn't get that. They didn't get that. They got that. Really? They wow. They went back and recut the film for a week. Wow. Before they released it again. You know, you've been in so many films. Do we have a number on that? Do we have a number on how many films? Yeah, it's probably been? around 150. Holy I haven't shit. seen 50 of them, by the way. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> probably we won't watch all those 50. Armand, my friend, when would you say you feel personally like you arrived, like you're a fucking actor. You know, in the beginning, I feel like you try this thing out and you're learning and then you deal with the money and then you're trying to understand this, you know, if you need an agent. And when do you feel like Armand DeSanti became an actor? I know it sounds... Yeah, I mean, I'm speaking as a creative person. I, I would say that you never do because every role is a new dance and mm. you have to learn all the choreography and the steps that go into that dance. And that's, that's the hardest thing to face as an actor, that your physiognomy 
your presence, your voice, whatever it is you have to offer, is not the answer to necessarily what an author wants. So that if you're not willing to really go through the steps of a new dance each time, really go through the process of osmosis of getting what an author is trying to get. Mm -hmm. It could be a similar character to what you've played before, but I promise you, it's a completely set of different circumstances. Mm. So you have to, in a way, you have to commit each time you're out, you have to commit. I would say the hardest thing, and I remember, I remember once I, I was watching Brando and he said that too, that the hardest thing is to, to bring it out mm. again, to evoke it out of yourself again, to go just commit and do it again. It's the hardest thing for an actor as he gets older to face. Yeah. Am I, am I going to do it? And the only reason you do it is because you love it. You know, another part that, you, you know, you, you, I don't know, unbeknownst to you probably at the time, you weren't knowing, knowing that you were going to be doing this, but when you think about going back to the movie Gotti, okay, and why we're even here t uh, today too, and we want to give a big shout out to my brother Federico Castelluccio who played Fur Furio Junta of The Sopranos and many other roles and um, all the guys at Virtual Con, Soprano Cons, and now uh, so happy that you have came on to be a partner. Um, but more importantly, Gotti comes out, and in Gotti, there's Tony Sirico, there's Vincent Pastor. Actually, let me run this back just in case people don't realize regular names. There's Tony Sirico, the legendary Paulie Walnuts. There's Vincent Pastor, a big pussy from Sopranos. There is another legend named Dominic Chinese who played Uncle June. Okay, and from what I you know, keep in mind, Gotti was an HBO movie. And what I was told, correct me if I'm wrong, is a lot of them were casted because of that movie. Didn't you have something to do with that as well? I was very influential in, with my allegiance to the director, Robert Harmon, and my allegiance to Gary Lucchese, that we stick it out because HBO was skeptical. They wanted to hire name actors. And I said, no, these actors are perfect for these roles. And we held out literally until Christmas. Mm. And on January 1st, HBO gave us this, all right, go, ahead. go make the movie. Why, why, the only thing is, first of all, here's a big question. Okay. And Dominic Chinese made a brilliant film with many, many years before called uh, Q&A okay. with Sidney yeah, Lumet. Yeah, yeah. And I never forgot Dominic. And I, I knew him over there. He's a phenomenal singer. And uh, he's a troubadour. He, he's performed, a real troubadour. he performed at Sopranos Con. Yeah. He did live. I mean, what a singer. For people who don't know, Uncle June is an incredible singer. Mm -hmm. um, Dominic Chinese. You know, um, when we think about that, and then these guys get casted over to Sopranos, and I mean, history was made. First of all, wh where the fuck is H... Uh, where, where is Gotti? Why is it... Uh, it's on YouTube. Some people ask me, because I'll tell them, this is the best fucking movie that you never heard of. This guy right here embodies this role i send them the youtube link but it's yeah. not from hbo i Where think i movie? think it actually the rights somebody bought the rights to the entire film and are withholding them purposely because i think they know they want to find the right re-release for it because what a lot of people don't uh, didn't realize even hbo didn't realize it that film went global i mean global I would go to Moscow and I would be flocked by people, or Romania, being flocked by people. It was loved all over the world. And the point is that I think whoever now has, has in a way, uh, absorbed- Contact the, us. That, we <laughs> the rise of the film. I think it's a very smart move. 
Because I think when they do get the re-release, they'll, uh, gonna be, they'll be well remunerated. Because I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> as much as people all over the world commend you on that role, there's a lot of people who don't know about that movie. Because yeah. it wasn't in the movie theaters. Right. It was on HBO. Yeah. And 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 it was such an incredible movie. Now let me ask him: Did the Gaudis give their blessings on that movie? Did no, you like? That's, okay. that's a myth. Okay, uh, not at all. Yep. Now, no. now, did the director have like? How did you? I know you read the script, but did anybody? And you read transcripts from John too, right? Right. Did was there anybody that helped you know how he holds a cigarette? Or because I heard a lot of things, not meaning from that movie, where especially mob movies, but some people don't want to know all that because then they try to focus too much. Right. But then some people do like to know a couple of things. Did they help you with that? Not really. I studied his transcripts uh, over and over and over again. And I, I could see in his transcripts there were certain rhythms and patterns to his um, beliefs and his uh, emotional behavior. I put on 50 pounds. And the one thing I will say that in a way um, became critical. I met with his first lawyer, Albert Krieger. I met with him in Miami, and I asked him a lot of questions about Gotti. And later on, when um, I had been given the script by HBO, I went to HBO and I said, you know, there may be a problem with the script because you've mentioned seven names here, and I looked them all up, they're on parole. <laughs> so. I said, the lawyers might be out to kill you if if the, if if the mob isn't. But I said that has to be that has to be altered. So I mean, it was a, a very um, it was a critical moment. Wow! But in fact, we did change about seven names in the script. Wow! Because their their cases were not finished. You know, where was where was Paul Casano's house? Like that uh, that was that had to be somewhere he was else. In, uh, that wasn't Staten the, Island. Right? A hill in Staten Island. Told him. Huh? Totally. So Hill. they had. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. So you're saying that house that they shot? The no, we that's shot what that. I'm asking. Where we was shot that, that in Toronto. And where was Gotti shot? Toronto. Oh, the whole thing? No, we shot at some exteriors in New York. Okay. But the bulk of it was all in Toronto. Really? Seventeen below zero. Fuck. I was doing a scene with Anthony Quinn in Seventeen Below Zero. I don't know how the cameras didn't freeze. You know, listen. <laughs> let's actually take a quick break. We're sitting here with the legendary Armando Santi. Okay, internet. I want you to listen to me. Okay, I want you to take time right now. Go on the App Store. Okay, go on Google Play. Download the Virtual Cons app. I promise you, this is not something I'm trying to push to you. This is access. You want to learn about going to Tony Soprano's house. You want shout outs from people like Armando Santi, Frankie Carbone, Vincent Cartoro, and people from all movies from all over. Okay, you want master classes. You want to attend. I promise you, it's access like you've never seen before. Go to Virtual Cons. I'm sitting here with my friend Armand Asante. We'll be right back. Don't go nowhere. Cheer. Internet, let me put you on to another podcast you're sure to love. Built to Last is a podcast by American Express that highlights the stories, history, and continued legacy of black-owned small businesses that shape American culture. The debut season focuses on black-owned small businesses that need our support now more than ever. The podcast features small business owners like Pinky Cole, Volantis Food Truck, turned restaurant Slutty Vegan, Anifa Movemba, a cutting-edge designer, and so many other amazing small business owners. Plus, there's a special check-in with modern-day Renaissance woman Issa Rae. You know who she is. Listen, as Built to Last uncovers and celebrates past and present stories of black entrepreneurship in America, we hope to encourage all of our listeners to support these businesses and also the black-owned businesses in your community today. 
Check out the debut season of Built to Last on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your favorite podcast. You're going to love this one. Internet, what's up, y'all? It's Premium Pete. You know who it is. Now, let me ask you something. Do you ever listen to this show and have questions about some of my classic interviews? Maybe the Pistol Pete or the Ed Lover, the Gary V, or who knows, maybe even the Ice T. Listen to me. If you ever just wish to reach out to me directly and ask what it was like to do those interviews or ask me some follow-up questions, maybe you have. Or do you just want to ask me about a new pair of sneakers that just dropped? Or maybe, just maybe, you want to know what the secret ingredient in that Pete's Premium Pasta Sauce is. Well, let me tell you, you're not going to get it, but you will get the jar. <laughs> I'm already playing. Um, listen to me. Stereo, okay? I'll be on there for the next nine weeks. I'm on there a couple of times a week, so I want you to go to Stereo.com forward slash premium Pete show. Again, Stereo.com forward slash premium Pete show, okay? Make sure you follow me. I was on there the other uh, the last week with Chris Morrow. Mad people asking questions about the Combat Jack show, premium Pete show, podcasting. Uh, it's dope. I, I like it. Listen, internets, okay? I want to connect with you, okay? I want to talk to all of y'all. You want to come on Stereo and talk to me? For the next nine weeks, I'll be on there a couple of times a week. Do me a favor. Go to the App Store and Apple or Google Play. Download Stereo today. But I want you to download Stereo like this. Go to Stereo.com, okay? Forward slash Premium Pete Show. One more time. Stereo.com forward slash Premium Pete Show. Just download it. I love stereo, and I know you will too. Let's get the convo going. I'll see you over there. And we're back, sitting here with my friend Armand Asante in Rhode Island. Listen, uh, we're in Rhode Island, and um, a lot of people use a lot of stretched out words out here. With the car and getting the marketing, and I want the coffee, you know? Um, but it's a great place. Um, shout out to uh, um, our good friends, our partners over at Virtual Cons. Um, Sopranos Con, my movie con, boxing con, internets. Go to virtual cons, okay? That's it. I don't need to even say anymore. But let's get back to our conversation. We, we I mean, we, we kind of like went around with mom and dad and your acting career and you, you know, uh, being broke and and, and and making money and you know, almost trying to live in Italy. I mean, so much <laughs> stuff. You know, when you and I ask you this, but in a different way, when you started making money. Do you remember a time you bought something? Like, did, you, did your parents, did you get a, par- sh- a chance to show your parents that you became successful? Like maybe, like did, did they have, did they make money later on in life or you were able to like buy a home for them? You know what I mean? You yeah, know when yeah. you show your parents. Well, thank, thank, yeah. thank God they both worked the whole life. So copy, they, copy. Was so, very, yeah. very, um, we always had a lucrative lifestyle, but um, no, I have a funny, a funny story I will tell you. Uh, I always had wanted to buy a ranch because I wanted to become a horseman. That was a dream of mine. It was to become a great rider. Not that I had a, a a fantasy about being a cowboy, but I really had a fantasy about being a great horseman. And so I was working at the Sundance Institute in '93. That would have been May of '93, because my youngest, my oldest daughter was just born. And um, I was working on a film uh, developed by Robert Redford. And uh, the legend. He, he took me riding on his ranch. And we rode up in this mountain, and there was the entire Wasatch Valley. Wow. 5,000-acre ranch, you know, which he was the owner of. And he said to me, he said, you know, I came up here in 1955, and I bought one acre, and I just managed to accumulate all this. And he then proceeded to tell me about the dangers of buying uh, land and and how it affected his life and career and the, the responsibility 
how our governments can move in on you if you own land, and all the hardships that he went through to hold on to all this real estate, you know. So I listened to this, and I was looking out over the valley on top of the horse, and I'm listening to him tell me this incredible story about his life. And uh, I went back to New York, and I bought my ranch, you know. And 200. You want to talk about the responsibility of having real estate your whole life. I mean, it's complicated. I mean, internet's <laughs> two hundred and thirty-two acre ranch. Uh, I'm on the Santi. Let the people know how many horses you have. No, I had seven horses, four of which were mine. Mm -hmm. um, what else did you have on this ranch? What's on there? I, ra <laughs> I raised a lot of champion bloodline German shepherds. Wow! And I raised bulls and dogs, and uh, I work. I still work in the woods a lot. I love silence, mm. only because uh, my profession is a lot of noise, especially now with the social media thing, there's a lot of noise. And the thing is that I need the space to, in a way, absorb a story. I really, I treasure my, uh, my quiet time. You know, peacefulness, as I get older, I, agree, I couldn't agree with you more. As I get older, peacefulness is so powerful. Um, what I like, how I, I, I know, I, this may sound crazy to people, I, and People who know me and know the Premium P Show know I say this all the time, but I love baths. I sit in a jacuzzi bath, and I, I, I literally um, zone out, and uh, you know I shut, you know, because I'm a guy like I, like I get a hundred, two hundred text messages a day. I get two hundred fucking emails. Everybody's calling me, and sometimes no. I cannot be creative no. if I don't reset. Um, that's why when I go on vacation sometimes, yeah. well, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. When I go on business trips sometimes, I will take, after I'm done with that work, I will stay an extra two or three days by myself um, just to you must, come back, yeah. you must, yeah. energize, come back creative. Yeah. Um, let me tell you, one thing I really like about this episode that we're doing here, I mean, we're going over your journey, but at the same time, you have dropped so many gems about life um, you know, and how important it is to uh, take care of yourself. You know, I think uh, we're in a day and age right now where people are focusing on mental health, um, you know, more than ever. I mean, you, you know, and, and, and we got to give Sopranos a little bit of credit. I know they look at mob guys going to counsel, counselors kind of crazy. But if you think about it, like, it is important to focus on your mental um, because sometimes we bottle these things up all inside of Oh. And 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 it's not healthy for us, you know. It's no, not healthy to not. The environment we're in now is probably one of the most stressful in, in all of history. The, the, the mind is not built to um, absorb as much as it uh, it's doing. If if you yourself are the creator of that content, but if you're not the creator of that content, you're just absorbing content, 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 content. You're you're depleting your your. Uh, your, your brain cells, for real. Yeah, day by day. You know, are there roles that you turned down that maybe uh, we never knew of? You know, that you... Uh... I have films I've never seen, only because I knew there was no process in the making of. But, uh, you know, the, the hardest thing to reconcile as an actor is that there are, there are times when you have to survive. I mean, there's no, there's no uh, actor worth his salt that has not done a film that he's literally not ashamed of. I mean, it, it just comes with the brutal territory of being an actor. But the point is that there are very few actors, very few, maybe literally less than a handful that have had the kind of careers that are just consistently stellar, you know? It's a very difficult profession. Sure. I, ne I never recommend it. It's a lot of moving pieces. Yeah. You know, 
you've been through a lot in your life. Um, and you speak about how to power through and how to reset your mind. Um, and everybody, sometimes people look at celebrities or actors as like they're not normal. I never looked at it like that. To me, they're the same as anybody. They just, uh, you know, they do different things. What I mean by that is, 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 is when you think about, you know, you um, and, 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 and acting and all your, your career, you know, um, how important has that been to, uh, uh, really focus on yourself? You know what I mean? Like meaning like to get better each time to, to not get discouraged. And really, I don't know, like some people find this confusing, but, and not quit. Has there ever been a time in probably your 50, 50 year acting career? Would you say 50 years? How long have you been oh, acting? Five decades now. If, five you, decades. you understand? Five decades. Oh. Have you ever wanted to quit and just like not do this anymore, but you found a way to fucking power through, you know? Because some people think like you're, people, like these actors or celebrities are machines and they're not. They're regular people with hearts and yeah. blood running through their lines and with feelings and with emotions. And sometimes, to be honest with you, this music business, this Hollywood business, and I don't want to say it like this, but it's sometimes very cutthroat. It's very, uh, um, you know, I don't want to use the words like scumbaggish, but I yeah. know that it sometimes could be uh, 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 hurtful to actors. They just want to be like, oh, fuck it, I just give up. There is, there is definitely, uh, there's an apparatus uh, to the acting profession that people don't understand. That it is very, uh, in some ways, political. It's, it's very um, how you get cast, why you get cast. People have always said, well, it's connections. Well, it's connections. It's also talent. But the point is that there is a, there is a political apparatus that controls Los Angeles, very much so. I mean, it's with every profession. It doesn't matter, no matter what you do. I mean, I mentioned Steve Shagan, who wrote Gotti. Steve Shagan was blacklisted in the 50s and 60s. You know, uh, Another uh, brilliant writer I work with, Walter, Waldo Salt, mm -hmm. blacklisted. I mean... You know, the careers of, of uh, artists are, going back to the beginning of time, are, are often catastrophic. But, but, but the point is that um, when you say quit, like for instance, once I quit a project, I was doing the project The Odyssey with Andrei Kontrolovsky, who was really a phenomenal, brilliant director. And I wanted to do that for so long. And um, when I got the script, I had the script way too late. And I was in England. And we were about to begin production on our way to Turkey. And I read the script. Finally, they gave me the script. And I said, I can't do this. This is, this is, not, this is not what this should be. Yeah. And I upset, I quit, were they upset I quit, by that? I quit the production. And I was sued. They sued me for $33 million. I, I didn't have $33 in my pocket at the time. So I went back on the film. And then <laughs> we, we, we stopped, stopped the production. And we rewrote we rewrote the script for three weeks. That's, and it was then that I, I, I concluded the he said, I incredible genius in my pocket. of Konchalovsky to also absorb that you know, 10 million mile poem and put it into cinematic impact of imagery to make a beautiful film. You know, that's when you know you're working with really talented people. But it, it, I wouldn't say I've ever contemplated quitting acting, but I have, I have stopped productions over the uh, credibility and the integrity of a, a script. You know, when, when we think about your journey and we, and we, and we go back, I, I, you know, it's crazy. I'm actually going to go over the rest of your movies uh, real quick. But when we think about uh, Gotti's and a couple more questions, I, I don't want to forget because it's one of my favorite films and you, 
Antoinette's, go check it out. Hopefully, we could uh, bring it home and you could check it out even more um, one day soon. But was there anybody else that tried out for Gotti that didn't make it that you know of? And I don't want to like hurt anybody. If it's public knowledge, I don't remember knowing. Like, for instance, I found out from Praval that they, David Praval, who played Richie Aprile in The Sopranos, tried out for Tony Soprano. Whoa. They also had Chaz Palminteri. They also had Ray Liotta. Wow. And they chose the one and only, the Whoa. legendary, the yeah. late great James Gandolfini, Gandolfini who yeah. at the time, nobody fucking knew what this guy could do. I mean, when he jumped in the pool with these fucking ducks, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, what the fuck? This guy was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, Tremendous artist. Yeah. Tremendous was, was there, you know, was there anybody that you had to beat out or, or, or? or? I, I heard stories that the, that other actors have been approached. I think the only one I think I remember stuck in my mind was my, my friend, uh, Danny DeVito. And uh, I went on to do half of with him. No, I did half of with him before then, before Gotti. But, uh, but I heard that Danny was considered for, but I hadn't, I hadn't, I, I never focused on that. It's really weird. Yeah. You talk about Danny DeVito? Yeah. Really? Yeah. As a Gotti? Yeah, somebody had thought of him and, and pushed him for the for the role. I mean, no one could compare to what you did. And and I mean that respect. Now let me ask you Thank something you. too. Uh, and I'm and and I want to thread through this lightly and, and, and shouts to the Gotti family. Um, you know, but but you know, they came back out with Travolta um doing it. Um, you know, when when you saw that, what what did you think? And I don't mean of the movie, what did you think about another Gotti movie coming out? I've never seen the film. I mean I, I, listen. I can appreciate it. Many, many actors play Hamlet. Many, many actors play Othello. Many, many actors play Richard III. I appreciate what each one can bring to it. But I never really gave it a thought because honestly, I know one thing in my heart and that is the, the film that I did was put together by an amazing team consisting of uh, Robert Harmon, the director, whose film, The Hitcher, I had seen. And I thought, this is one of the most talented directors I've seen in years because of what he did with the camera, what he could do with that camera mm. and the way he used emotion with the camera. And I thought he was perfect and I was thrilled to work with him because he understood the intimacy that was necessary to capture, Absolutely. to make that believable. And he did. I thought of Gary Lucchese who was already head of Paramount, vice president of Paramount. Yep. He, he had already been in charge of major league productions. Um, Stephen Shagan was a writer. You, you, there are no writers like that anymore. There are no writers like this anymore. So, I mean, what I'm saying, I knew that it would be rare if anybody could ever assemble a team of men that really understood their subject that well. And that's why I say I don't, I don't pay attention Copy. because respect. I, I know out of the respect to those men, it would be very hard having spent 50 years in this industry how do you assemble that that nucleus of energy? Sure. That's what creates the film. Sure. I mean, 50 years, five decades, we're talking about a seasoned veteran. As we wind this episode down, as we're sitting here with the one and only Armand DeSanti, I'm, I'm, I'm honored to have you on the Premium Pete Show. Um, I'm honored to be here. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and I will say this, one of my favorite parts, and I told you yesterday, and I'm going to tell you again, Okay, internet. So if you've never seen the Gotti movie, if you've never seen any of the movie, I want you to, what I want you to do is Google Armand DeSanti. That's first of all. And then I want you to follow him on, on on social media, okay? And make sure it's the official account, Armand Asante official. You'll see, you'll see which one's the real one, not the bull, not the Fugazis. 
But when we think of Gotti, I want to talk about why I think this man is an incredible actor. And obviously, five seasons, well, hear me, five, five decades will explain that to you. But more importantly, what will explain that to you is I remember some of the things you said in Gotti, the way your mannerisms, I mean, they're fucking incredible. Like, for instance, five years from now, 10 years from now, what are you? <laughs> 10 years from now, they're going to miss John Gotti. They're going to, you know, even, 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 even like, um, where you were like, uh, nobody knows why they killed Frankie DeChico. So don't ask, you know, what the fuck? Like who says, yeah. like the guy who wrote that, like, yeah. like, like, it's like fucking funny. It's like, it's not like, Hey, something happened. No, nobody knows why we killed, why Frankie DeChico was killed. So don't ask. And even how your voice don't ask, you know? Um, but to me, one of the best parts, and I'm going to show this part in the video aspect. So internets, if you listen to this on audio, no problem, head on over to the YouTube channel and check this out. Um, but uh, when he was when 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 Neil Delacroix, who was played by the legendary Anthony Quinn, when he was dying, John was sitting by his side because he he was kind of your mentor. He was a, yeah. you know he was your mentor in that movie. Um, you know he, he, even the FBI when they seen when he, when Neil Delacroix got passed up to be the uh, boss of the Gambino family and they chose Paul Castellano, you went fucking crazy. And the FBI is like no no no. Who, yeah. Not many people could do this in front of Neil Delacroach. Who the fuck? What the fuck is going on? Right. And then I remember when he was passing away, you were you and you were going back and forth with Paul as being Gotti, and you were so upset that he never came to see him. And I remember you turning your fucking head. You like you came outside to all the guys. You are like Neil's gone, and that fuck Castellano didn't even come and see him. And then you just turned like, and fucking walked away. And I was like, the power in that. Thank you. Internet, when you see that, make sure you uh, 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 show so much love on his comment section and let him know how important that movie <laughs> is to him. And also, I want to let people know, for those who don't know Amanda Santi, I hope you learned a lot more today. And those of you who do know, I hope you learned a little bit more. <laughs> but what do you have going on now? You said that you're working on some scripts, and I think like, I what's write, going on now? I write a lot. Yeah. And I, uh, I've written about some episodes that actually occurred in my own lifetime. It's hard to believe, but if you live long enough, it's amazing what comes your way. But uh, I'm right, I write a lot. I work with a lot of directors and writers on scripts. I had a phenomenal mentor for many years. Well, I had two mentors that were very, very dear to my heart. My first teacher, uh, Mira Rostova, who was a legend. She taught Montgomery Clift, a legendary actor and acting uh, diva of New York uh, on, on the category of uh, uh, Stella Adler or Sanford Meisner, Lee Strasberg, that kind of teacher. I worked with her for 25 years. And then a very dear friend of mine who I, I raised financing for his first and only film, a man named um, Cliff Osmond, who was a legendary Billy Wilder actor. Wow. He became a, one of my closest friends. And we, he mentored me on almost every script I did for almost 20 years. So we would literally take a script, analyze it, see where it was weak in the structure, where the characters, you know, where the logic of the character was not totally realized yet. And we worked on a lot of scripts with a lot of writers mm, for mm, many years. Mm. And he, he had a tremendous influence on my life. You know, I, I will say this, 99% of a film or a theater production is in the preparation. And it really is in the preparation of the script. Because once you realize the poetry of the emotion of a script, then it's when you can really tell a wonderful story. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But writing, to me, is the essential ingredient. And I think it's the one thing today 
that uh, has to be focused on the most. You know, some people get writer's block, and oh, and and, and uh, how, how the how the fuck do you get out of that? Yeah, I think I think it's very very hard to get out of it. And many of the great writers became chronic alcoholics uh, because of writer's block and the impossibility of knowing: Am I writing something that's of any value? You know what I mean? I mean, I I love uh, I love, for instance, Hemingway. The reason I, I I always go back to Hemingway. If you read Hemingway, even though he was not a prodigiously produced uh, uh, Hollywood writer, if you read his books, they're screenplays. Mm. No, you're they're right. just I didn't even think of that. You're characters right. huh? talking, and it's all subtext. It's what's not said in the dialogue. Wow, that's what's so brilliant about Hemingway. It's what's not on the page, and I think that that had a lot to do with his. His own personal tragedy. I think he, he questioned himself as a writer. But the brilliance of the man was what was not on the page. Mm. And I think one of the hardest things to realize about screenplay writing, about good film writing, it's what's not said. That's the it's most. What's not implied. That's, that's the most important thing. You know, a young actor um, is is watching this, is listening to this. Um, you know, um, wants to become an actor or maybe is an actor, but is kind of like, you know, just hanging on by the skin of his uh, or her teeth. What is some advice you would give them? Love. Love what you do. Mm. Love what you do. Just just know that you're meant to do it. Love it. Accept it. And um, it's not a question of never giving up. But as I said earlier, connect your will to that love so that you you know, I can hit the ball over the fence. Mm. Just know it. Yankee games? Went to a lot of Yankee games uh, growing up. Were you a Yankee fan? Yeah, I grew up uh, in the across city. Across the river from the Polo yeah, Grounds. Yeah, so, so, I grew so, up with the New York uh, Brooklyn, Yankees. Do, Brooklyn, <laughs> so it was Brooklyn, you know, yeah. uh, Evans Field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, thank God, I, I was hoping you weren't a Met fan. So, uh, you know, not, not, <laughs> not, nothing wrong with the Mets. Nothing, <laughs> nothing wrong with the Mets, but... Um, couple last questions and we're going to end this again i said it was an honor and i do mean that Thank how you. important is espresso is what espresso how important is espresso and coffee you love it it's been part of your life espresso when's, the, is, when's yeah. the first time you drink i feel like you've been drinking coffee like, yeah. did, did you well, it was interesting to wake up here bottle? because here we are in providence Rhode Island, also tragically one of the great Town Federal in America, Hill. you know, the, the, the victim of the COVID crisis. When I got this morning, I'm normally I'm addicted to espresso, so I have to have six. I start off with six. I love this guy. So I walked all over Providence. There was not one coffee shop open. There was not one restaurant open, and it really shows how shut down, how tragically shut down our our world has been for everybody everywhere. It is so tragic, you know. I mean, part, part of the work ethic of America is is in the, the give and take. And you know, one of the great things growing up about in New York is that New York is one of the few cities in the world where you can walk down 57th Street and actually think that you accomplished something. It'll completely delude you because there is so much give and take of energy in, in New York, you know? In, in any city in the world, there's always a vibe, you know? And I think that, that vibe is not present right now. It'll come back. Yeah. It'll, it'll come back explosively. Yep, yep, yep. But, but uh, it is sad. You know, we want to take a time uh, right now to um, send prayers and blessings to anybody who has lost somebody during these crazy times, who has gone through some tough times. Hospitality business, if you lost your business, you know, 
um, you know, I want to send prayers and blessings. I know there's a lot of people doing a lot of great things to try to help. I do believe, um, you know, if we will come back, we will be stronger than ever. Um, you know, and I want to send peace and blessings to anybody who's been affected by that and let people know, you know, you're not alone. And I think that even though we're dealing with a lot of restaurants that were closed down, I do believe there's room in the future for new restaurants and new things and to succeed and soar. Um, and that's powerful. Um, you know, and espressos are powerful and, 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 you know, it's just, like I said, it's, it's been great sitting down with you. Um, you, you know, know and, and, and joining you on that thought, I have somebody in my life who, who in the last years, Beginning, beginning to be overcome severe breast cancer as well as severe spinal issues, uh, the pain of which is sometimes unbearable to watch. It's that unbearable to watch somebody in that level of pain. And I kept thinking how many people in this world right now are suffering with that same feeling of impotence and helplessness in the face of somebody's pain. And that really is the condition of the globe of the world, think, you know, in, in this crisis, Italy had the greatest medical team in the world, mm. in Bergamo, Italy. When it hit first, they were stultified, Strike. completely stultified. So how can we place blame on anybody who could not address this? The greatest scientists in the world were sty stymied by the, the tragedy of what they couldn't resolve, you know what I mean? But, you know, anyway, my point, my point is that in, in watching this woman suffer this incredible pain, I started reading avariciously about how, how, do we, how do you get out of this? How do you get out of this, uh, what's called chronic pain? And I read, this blew my mind, there are 100 million people right now in America mm. that suffer with chronic pain. Now, chronic pain means pain that is unceasingly relentless. Imagine that, unceasingly relentless. It's mind-blowing, you know, and this is, this is what people forget. This is the world we're in right now. You know? you know, that's also another reason why so many people take these pills and, 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 and they're committing suicide at a young age. You know, these pills, yeah. pills are, I, I, listen, yeah. I want to send prayers and blessings to anybody who's going through anything like that. And, uh, you know, just, yeah. uh, it, it's, it's, it's sad and, 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 you know, you're not alone and send prayers and blessings your way. For sure, with chronic pain and dealing with anything, you know, just trust the process. But listen, Armand, Thank you. Uh, we still got more espressos to drink. We, <laughs> we'll go and drink espressos tonight. One more time, I do want to tell people about virtual cons. And I don't mean that as somebody who's trying to push something else. Armand's a partner. I'm involved. Um, it is the future of conventions. But more importantly, I want to say this, it is the, it's access. It's access to things that you would never, ever imagine. If you're a, if you're a mob movie fan, if you're a boxing fan, if you're a golf fan, whatever the fuck you are, there will be multiple, multiple, multiple people that you could request shout outs from, that you could get memorabilia from, that you could have masterclass from, they could do anything. So I want to give a big shout out uh, to Michael Mata, Federico Casaluccio, uh, Daniel Trader, uh, Joseph Fama, and uh, uh, Brandon Seaman, uh, and, and the whole team on really uh, putting together this virtual cons under the umbrella, which will be Sopranos cons and more and, and give them a follow, download them in the app store today. They're on uh, Apple store and Google play. And listen one more time. 
Thank you so much for joining thank me. You. And to I, go I, over and in, your journey. In conjunction with what you said, I want to say a big thank you to Federico Castelluccio, who was the first one to pursue me for a long time about virtual cons. And I have such respect for him, not as, just as an actor. He's an artist, an amazingly accomplished painter, but also an amazingly accomplished director. If you've not seen his films, watch a film he did called The Brooklyn Banker, testimony to just how fantastic a talent man this man is. But my point is his consistency in pursuing me to be part of something I, I would never, ever have thought of doing. But I realized the importance of accessibility today is just as important as it is to get into a college, as it is to get into a class. People don't have that accessibility. And I think this could be a phenomenal opportunity for all of us to actually give something back to what was given to us in our lives. You know, I also think on end of note, I think it's something that will live longer, will live longer than us. Yeah. And I think that to me is what success is, creating something that will live yeah. longer and while you're Absolutely. gone. Um, yeah. And again, listen, um, I've sat down with a lot of people. This has been special. We had laughs, history, um, funny <laughs> moments. And and believe it or not, I did not expect how many gems you dropped this episode. And when I say gems, meaning things <laughs> that really make sense to people about life and moments. So anyway, internets, the one and only Armand DeSanti. Thank you, Pete. Thank you. Thank you, Pete. Thank you. Oh, yeah. That boy Armand DeSante, man, what what a journey, man! What a, just even to know all those gems in there that he put, and to know that the HBO Gotti movie had such a inspiration on Sopranos being made, especially with those characters because they were in the Gotti HBO movie before it aired. Crazy. Now, listen, I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you rate, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. But more importantly, you want to advertise on the Premium Petro? I don't care if you're a big brand, small brand, whatever. Email me, thepremiumpetro at gmail.com. Again, thepremiumpetro at gmail.com. You want to advertise on the Premium Petro? You want to learn about podcasting? You want a scripted podcast? You want me to produce a podcast? Email me. Let me see what you're talking about. You want it again? Okay. Thepremiumpetro at gmail.com. Internets, peace and blessings to you and yours. Have a blessed day, a blessed night, a blessed week, a blessed month. But I'll tell you this, we'll see you next week. And next episode is going to be fire. Tweet me, okay, or DM me, and I'll let you know who it is. Internet, see you next episode. Peace. Cheer.
Hi, this is Armando Sante. It's my great pleasure today to be on the Premium Pete Show, to be being interviewed by the legendary Pete Gibraltar. I hope you enjoy it as much as I will.